Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. Wendy is with us in studio today and we're going to be talking about the dire consequences when a car is misfueled. Uh, in, in other words, if a petrol attendant puts petrol into a diesel tank or vice versa. We've got a really awful listener case study to share on this one and we're going to be asking the question, what are your rights if it happens to you? We'll also answer a listener's plea for advice on coping with load shedding in the kitchen. What to do to keep your food safe when the fridge and the freezer are switched off so many times during the day. We're going to put that question to a food microbiologist to share some really scientifically backed up advice. And then we will revisit the issue of uh, customer complaints about the Disney Plus viewing experience. This time it's not really Disney Plus uh, that's uh, involved in the complaints. Mm -hmm. It's multi-choice presenting what was meant to be a nice free offering to try Disney Plus and just doing it in a way that unfortunately left customers fuming. Uh, so that's coming up a little bit later on in the show. Right now, um, let's talk about the misfueling issue. And gosh, we've already got several WhatsApps. Wendy, before we get to those, I mean, today's first topic and the, the case study we're going to talk about mm. when we get to Teresa's story is the kind of experience you don't want to wish on anybody. A car breaking down in an isolated area in darkness with two women on their own feeling extremely vulnerable as a result. And the worst part is it wasn't actually a breakdown in the normal sense of the word. A petrol attendant had put the wrong kind of fuel into the vehicle. I think we need to add the word allegedly. Which allegedly, okay, all right. Okay, so before we look at the specific case, do you maybe just start us off with some general comments on this issue. Okay, so... If your car's engine is damaged by so-called misfueling through no fault of yours, you shouldn't be out of pocket. Obviously, yeah. that makes sense, but you may well be in practice um, because, well, first of all, if you get if a petrol attendant, we should call it a fuel attendant, I suppose, puts the wrong fuel in your tank, and neither they nor you notice before you pull off and actually engage that the engine, you won't get very far. And once the car has spluttered to a stop, you'll have to get it towed to a dealership for the fuel tank to be drained and any engine repairs um, that need to be carried out if necessary. It depends how far you, you drove before the, it, the car conked the out, happened, how yeah. much, what, whether it was completely the wrong fuel or whether you already had half or more of a tank of the right fuel. And then, the, you know, it depends on all those sort of factors as to and what kind of car you have as to how big that repair bill ultimately is. Going to be, is. Yeah. Um, so... I have to say that um, because I talk about this, uh, I have reported on this issue over the years quite a bit. I have some people who who write to me and and want to share their experience of of this having happened to them and the dealership involved having no quibbles, saying terribly, terribly sorry. In oh, some cases, reaching out to them proactively if they had the details to say you fill from this, which uh, is a case of not an attendant problem, but say the wrong fuel being put in the wrong their wrong tank, their okay, storage tank. So there's all sorts of things that can go wrong there. And in, and in many cases, it's sorted out. They take responsibility and everybody moves on. But in other cases, um, the there is resistance. Um, yeah, if I, not I, initially, then... Well, this is the interesting one. Sometimes yeah. they, they, there is a sense of accountability at first, but when the bills start coming in for the, the longer-term repairs, yeah. the, that, that accountability disappears. You dealt with a case like this last year, yes. Wendy. Um, it was a bit longer ago than last year, but some years ago. Okay. Motratzi's fuel mix-up happened one evening in early October at a filling station in Centurion. The fuel tank of her car, which was a Volvo S40, was almost 
empty when she asked the attendant to put in 500 rands worth of diesel. As she got home, her car, which was very nearby, her car spluttered and stalled, and it was then that she noticed the smell of petrol, and her receipt confirmed that her tank had indeed been filled with petrol. Um, she reported this to the filling station owner. He acknowledged the error and accepted responsibility for it. So, so far, so good. They arranged for her car to be repaired by a technician of their choice because it, obviously they have control over the process and it can work out cheaper for okay. them. But that didn't work. So the car had to be towed to a Volvo dealership. Somewhere along the way, the car's engine control module had been damaged, which meant that the dealership first had to replace that at a cost of 13,450 Rand before they could even get to the misfueling issue the dealership would only proceed with the fuel damage repair after it had been paid for the computer replacement so that the filling station paid for that first repair bill but things soured when the second bill for the fuel damage repair which was 18,600 rand was submitted um, at that point the service station's insurer sent a letter to Mutlatsi saying that because they were clear disclaimer signs stating that it is the customer's responsibility to ensure the correct fuel is dispensed and I've seen a few of those signs at various filling stations. The filling station was absolved of all responsibility and therefore it was not prepared to entertain the claim. I cannot begin to express how cheated and prejudiced I feel as a consumer, Mutlati said to me at the time the the filling station accepted responsibility, I have proof but now I'm being left in the cold. So is that sign good enough in law, Wendy? I mean, can they opt out that easily from what would appear to be clearly negligent behavior by staff. No, as we've discussed in many case studies on this show yeah. over the years, Pippa. You can't contract the, the C- out of negligence. Exactly. And the CPA, the Consumer Protection Act, is very clear on the fact that if companies do not act with the required diligence, skill and care when dealing with a customer's property, they are responsible for any um, damages caused as a result of that lack of care and diligence. So um, I took up the case, I'm happy to say, in that, uh, in, in, with Mothlatsi, and um, the claim was settled. They did eventually settle it. In they court. did. Okay. Yes. So happy outcome there. Um, um, maybe, let's hope the same will apply to our more recent case uh, from our listener, Teresa Skierski, because in this one, the petrol station is not acknowledging that the misfueling no. actually happened. Wendy, and just, just give us a bit of background before a, we welcome Teresa. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a very unusual case, Pippa. I haven't dealt with one quite like this. Okay. Um, um, Teresa Zgieski had been traveling from George with her 16-year-old daughter on the evening of Sunday, the 28th of August. When she, So they've been a long trip. They've driven all the way to... They live in um, Tableview. Okay. So they've driven all the way to George. The car had just been serviced. No problems. Went like a bomb. It's a little uh, Chev Sonic. So it's the kind of car that would typically be petrol-powered, but in this case, it's a diesel Hers car. is a diesel model. Okay. Um, so she stops at this BP um, Heritage Park in Strand to top up her tank. Um, because she's aware that, you know, it, it was be fairly likely if mistakes were going to be made of this kind that, you know, there could be an assumption that her car was was a petrol. So she says she always makes eye contact and repeats that she she needs diesel. The request yeah. is diesel, not petrol. Um, and uh, so she did just that in this case. She was actually out of the car. Um, she says she she got out of the car. She was trying to look at at the hoses but they sort of seemed to be you know you have on one pump you have several hoses, hoses and yes. it was getting dark and she it was after six anyway so she didn't make a hundred percent sure herself but because she'd communicated it uh, with some uh, intent she was sure that it all was fine but 
Um, having paid her 600 rand for, for what she thought was diesel, she drove off and very shortly, she didn't get very far at all, the, the engine light came on. Um, not a good thing traveling at, at, in the evening, you know, on a highway with, with, with her daughter. With daughter. Yeah. Um, they carried on as far as they could because they were worried about being alone in the dark, but the car eventually broke down. Uh, just after 7 o'clock. Okay, now Teresa is with us on the line to tell us what happened next. Teresa Zgierski, thank you so much for joining us and being willing to share this story with uh, with our listeners. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Pippa. Thank you so much, Wendy. <laughs> Teresa, 7 o'clock in late August, it's definitely getting dark. You're on the highway. Uh, we know that that's an area which is notoriously uh, dangerous to break down on. I can't imagine how vulnerable you must have felt at that point. Yes, it was very, very concerning. In fact, I saw a police van stop there, so I stopped with them. I explained what had happened. It was only at that point that I checked my slips and was horrified to see that my slips actually noted that there was petrol in my tank. So I told the policeman in the van what had happened, but they were busy investigating a homicide alongside the road there. It was a very unsafe place for us to be stopped. So I immediately called um, um, Engine Guru, who was the mechanic who helped me, and he said, keep going. That's a really unsafe place to stop, so keep going. So I will meet you wherever you are, and he he followed me with live location. Um, until I broke down completely, which was also at a very, very precarious place. Yeah. Okay, so you, your, your car finally comes to a stop. Thankfully, Engine Guru are already on their way to meet you and uh, Teresa were able to, to reach you before anything happened. And as you've mm-hmm. said, you, you sit there with a slip that shows that the wrong mm-hmm. fuel was put into your car. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, that evening, your primary concern was your safety and getting yourselves and your, yourself and your daughter home. How long did you wait before you phoned the petrol station to tell them what had happened? Well, yeah, that was very hectic. We were rescued by the, um, what did they call them, gang squad. There was balaclavas, there was automatic rifle. It was a very, very scary situation alongside the road. We were very traumatized by the time we finally got home late that night after towing at, you know, very, very slow speed home. And uh, the next day was school and work. So I only got my letter with my documents and my story together um, the next day, probably around lunchtime. And then looking on the internet, I also found a telephone number which brought me to the owner of the petrol station. So that was after midday on Monday. Okay, so the very next working day, you were in touch with them to say, okay, Mm -hmm. this is what's happened. I've got the slip that shows that you put petrol into my car instead of Mm -hmm. diesel. What was their Mm -hmm. response when you told them that? Um, It was Alan I spoke to, and he was kind, and he sounded... um empathetic and he you know I I had no reason to expect anything but support from him that was the response I got he asked me to put everything into in writing he did not ask me for a petrol sample Um, so I never even thought of that that never you know crossed my mind at all I just thought that they would reimburse me for my fuel and for whatever happened to the vehicle which I didn't even know you know how what kind of fix that would be and uh, then I never heard from him again. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm going to jump in here, Teresa. Um, I know because I've seen your whole set of documents, 
you were holding what you thought was absolute proof of what mm. caused the problem and the symptoms that your vehicle displayed were that were entirely consistent with a misfueling episode. So how did they then later um, explain that you actually got, you were, uh, you did have diesel pumped into your engine's tank rather than petrol, which was stated on the slip. How did they mm. explain the so-called mistake on your slip? I'm, I'm um, troubled to explain that to you too because they never spoke to me again. Even though I was the one with the name everywhere, they actually contacted the mechanic. All right. And they explained to the mechanic how it wasn't possible what was happening um, and that he couldn't verify where I got my fuel from and if I'd stopped along the way and got it from somewhere else. Oh. And in fact, anyway, they were quite sure that they'd put... Uh, diesel in the vehicle, but that the petrol attendant had just pressed the wrong, the wrong button and said petrol and not diesel That's on, on the, the handheld on the, terminal. Uh, yes, okay, the point of sale handheld thing. Okay, okay. So, so they then told the mechanic. Obviously, uh, they had a different version from what was on your slip. Teresa, let's, the one important thing we haven't mentioned is is what was actually the financial cost of all of this. Obviously, there's the loss of the tank of fuel that had to be drained out of your car. But what I mean, in terms of further damage to your car, what's the sum total of how much this this incident cost you? Well, it wasn't terribly much. At the time, I thought, because my car was completely dead, I thought that killed it and it wasn't going to be resurrected. But in fact, Engine Guru did uh, what they do. They drained the tank. I'm just reading from the bill. They removed, flushed out and cleaned the diesel filter. They the stripped valve cover gasket and inspect valve train for damage, towing after hours, computerized diagnostics and engine oil service oil and oil filter and the total charge of that was uh, 2,870. So I have to say I've dealt with a lot of these cases and that's very reasonable and your car was was absolutely fine after that Teresa? My car's been going fine after that absolutely fine. Okay so you you heard nothing from the from the dealership from the service station and then you raised the issue with BP Southern Africa and how did you go with that? Um, so that, they were also seemed quite friendly until they asked me two days in for a fuel sample. And I was totally caught unprepared for that because nobody ever queried the fuel at all. There was no reason to keep a fuel sample. When I spoke to Alan, the owner, he said nothing about a fuel. Nobody questioned me. I didn't know that I would have to um, prove the slip that I'd received yes. from the garage. You know, I thought it was a it was a very clear open and closed case. I have a slip. Issued by the, the garage. Yeah. with a big BP sign on it. Yeah, yeah. and all the timings and everything else. Okay, yeah. so this is the really puzzling part of it. Is So, Teresa, as you say, you're sitting with a slip which says you pulled in to the BP Heritage Garage in Strand and filled up with X number of litres of petrol at such and such a time on such and such a date. They mm. claim to have a different slip, I believe, Teresa. Is that correct? Yes, so they then sent some um, footage to the mechanic, which showed something very unclear, sort of like if you look at the way the the fuel pump is moving, you can see that it's the third from the right and not the second, and we say that the third from the right is actually a diesel, that kind of thing. It was very, very unclear and open to interpretation. And... Uh, 
Okay. Okay, and the, the slip that they sent angry. you, um, I mean, Wendy, I, I know you've compared the two. Just yes. before we go to news, do you want to maybe just tell us what the differences were yes, between sure. those two slips? So, um, right, so on Teresa's slip, the time is 1809, and the BP's one that they provided her was 1811, so two minutes later. Um, Teresa's slip says, and this is obviously, um, we know this is the problem, 24 litres of ULP, which is petrol, and BP slip says 23 litres of diesel, 50 ppm. Teresa's slip says the attendant's name was Dumisani, and BP puts the name as Dumisa. That could just be a shortened version, but yep. we don't know. But here's the thing. Um the big discrepancy is Teresa's uh, slip says pump five is where she got her fuel, uh, be it diesel or petrol. And uh, BP's own slip that they've provided to her uh, says pump three. Okay, so that's a very important discrepancy. Wendy Nola and with our listener Teresa Skierski, who has shared with us the story of how she says she stopped at uh, a, a garage on her way home driving from George and she pulled up um, uh, at the BP Heritage Park in Strand in her Chef Sonic, which is a diesel car. She says she looked the petrol attendant in the eye and confirmed I need you to fill this car with diesel and uh, a couple of kilometers down the road, the car lurched to a stop and uh, the mechanic who drained the tank told her that it had been filled with petrol. That is exactly what the slip in her possession reflects as well, giving the time she was there, the pump she filled up at and the fact that she had purchased 24.17 litres of petrol. OK, so Wendy, to come back to you, um, uh, I know that you've been engaging with BP Southern Africa on this. And um, as you pointed out to them, it's, it's not just the slip that supports Teresa's version of events. It's the whole chain of events that happened. Yeah, the fact that the car was functioning perfectly before the incident and, and went on to function perfectly after the fuel was drained and, and, and diesel put in the tank instead. Um, and the fact that the engine trouble began within minutes of the allegedly wrong fuel being pumped into her near empty tank all of those point to the fact that it was indeed a case of misfueling so how did they respond when you put uh, that to them okay so this was an um, exchange i had with bp southern africa's customer service representative the answer well, the response went like this we have acknowledged the customer's complaint as per our processes we requested that the customer provide us with the mechanical report and or the samples as and they they have not been able to do so. We explained that the details typed by the attendant on the slip would not have affected the fuel grade dispensed prior to paying and have further asked that the customer visit the site to view CCTV footage of the event of which they have declined. Uh, Teresa was in fact sent a video. Yeah, so she didn't um, need to go there to see it. And it's, been sent to her. it's a hundred kilometer round trip from Tableview. Yeah, so well. fair enough. Now, more, yeah. more petrol. And it, it, I can't say for sure, but it, it seems, if you see a, the photograph they've sent of the, of the pump and the video it's taken from a different angle, it seems it, it looks like it's a different one because on the end of one there were these sort of yellow... Um, pillars, I suppose, or poles and a bin, um, which weren't, um, weren't visible, visible but it could just be the angle. So I'm okay. not going to go too far, but she just th felt that, you know, she that's a lot to expect. She had a slam yes. dunk with a slip and, and, and what happened subsequently. Um, the response went on. The customer is adamant that they should be paid for the damages caused to their vehicle. 
even though they are unwilling to assist in the investigation. Wow. It's for these reasons that we are unable to investigate further until such time as the customer agrees to view the CCTV footage or provide us with a report which would have been drawn up by the mechanic and samples. Curiously, not a word about those conflict, conflicting uh, conflicting information in the receipts, even to just explain. Yeah, that's a um, big red flag. So let's just to go through it quickly. The time differed by two minutes. But this is the difference between the slip that Teresa was issued and the um, the slip that corresponding BP claims yes, which they the got from their system. Yeah. So um, Teresa's slip says pump five, BP says pump three. We've got the discrepancy between diesel and, and petrol, and the attendant's name was slightly different. Dumisani in the case of Teresa, Teresa's slip, and Dumisa in the case of BPs. So. I wanted to get a better idea of how the process actually works and to witness it myself. So I went to a, a BP this morning in my area, mm-hmm. not the one in question, and I wanted to get a, you know a better understanding of the system. A manager there took a lot of time and trouble to show me. So okay. she first walked me to, to the forecourt and they took one of those handheld um, point of sale machines. And it's true, um, it will, after the... the um, fueling has happened the um, petrol attendant the fuel attendant has a choice of um, ULP which is petrol or, or diesel and once they choose make that choice then the, 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 the pump will feed them the information or, and 600 rand suppose in Teresa's case and then the information in terms of the number of liters liters yeah. would uh, um, and the yeah would uh, come up um so then the attendant goes to the office, right? We've seen them do that. And yep. it's then that the transaction gets captured. So there could well be a, a time difference. In fact, there should be a time difference. In fact, sometimes it can be, they showed me one live there, which had a four minutes difference because the attendant then was busy and filled another car before taking both slips to the, to the, to the, to the, the office. Okay. Right. So it would have been helpful if they just explained this. So I'm thinking, okay, because our job is to get things right. We don't want to, you know, work with the facts. So yeah. that explained the time difference. The, the, the diesel versus petrol, well, that's the, the, that's the key issue here. Have easily have just chosen petrol. The attendant name, it's very close. Dumisani, Dumisa. That maybe it's captured maybe, with only a, limit, yes, a limit the person, on the number of the letters on the other system. Was yep. doing it quickly. So, and I was beginning to think, okay, well, I don't know how to explain what happened to Teresa's car. If this is, and then she said, I said, Teresa says pump five, and and the BP's um, transaction record says pump three, and she said, not possible. That's the same transaction then. It's not possible. So she it is said, Im- if, if it two different have, pump the numbers pumps should have cannot been the same. Be so just to be clear, the pump is refers to a station of Bowser's. So it would have typically two two petrol and and one diesel. And by the way, I learned something here, which I I can't believe I didn't know before. And that is diesel uh, uh, nozzles are a blue, and petrol are green. So if you have a diesel car, you've got to make sure you've got a blue. Um, a nozzle going into, into your, your car. car. Yeah, funny, Jeff has just commented, I always thought that those fuel pipes had different diameters so that you couldn't fit the incorrect uh, fuel ask, tank filler. Yes, in some cases, absolutely true, especially in newer car. Teresa says that the, the mechanic that worked on her car said um, something like, um, we can clarify this within a minute, that you it's you can't put a uh, you can't put a diesel no- nozzle into a petrol car, but in her case, it was it's possible the other way to put. And the flap on her 
inside of her, the sticker on the inside of her fuel cap said um, clearly diesel. diesel. Yeah. Anyway, so okay. um, that's all very. Um, so just to recap, confusing. okay, some of the discrepancies between the Are two slips explainable, explainable, explainable for practical reasons. And it reasons. is true that they that, that they tend and chooses. The other thing is though, if there's their fuel of um, um, loyalty points to be had, and yes. BP teams with Discovery and Pick and Pay, and if there's a discrepancy on the fuel that's put in and named on the slip versus what the car is it could be thrown out that's what I was told by this manager that it would should throw it out so if these mistakes are being made how do you how, so how do you reconcile the, 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 the remaining fuel in your tanks so this is what you dispense they're all sorts of that I mean did you even know that that was a, a possibility that you got to check your slip it might just be finger trouble versus the wrong um, versus you know the wrong actual wrong fuel being put in it's, yeah. it, as I say this case threw up all sorts of new issues that I had not dealt with so before. So just before we go back to Teresa, I mean, two things I want to share from WhatsApp's in from, from listeners here, and we've got another listener, um, Abrama, we'll get to in a sec. Somebody's saying the amount paid should match up on the card and the slip. Isn't it simple? If they put, but it's a 600 rand. She, so she put, 600 say, rand. put 600 rand yes. in. She didn't say fill me up with no. diesel. Okay. No. So the 600 rand that would have been that would have, if the she'd same done amount. That, it, yeah, okay. would have been. But listen to this. Malcolm in Constantia's WhatsApp to say, a number of years ago, my wife ran the fuels guarantee department for BP and she had a large budget for exactly this situation. It happened more often than you think. There's also the problem of water in the fuel as all the garage dispensing yeah. tanks get water in and it sinks to the bottom. Sometimes when their tanks are virtually empty the water gets pumped up as well which is not too good for engines at that stage bp was the only company offering up offering this guarantee but maybe there are others now well i do um, have a bit of inside information don't you yeah <laughs> water contamination is an issue that i've dealt with quite a lot as well nothing yeah. recently funnily enough but um in the past yes um so i think uh, what remains to ask to to, to be asked of Teresa is are you still with us, Teresa? Teresa is still yes, with us. Thanks yes, for waiting yes. so patiently. Okay. What would you? What? What is your course of action, if anything, going to be now, having considered everything? Well, my issue is um, is is that an invoice was issued that the service provider is not standing by, and if that set as a precedent, if that's allowed to go unchallenged. Where does that leave the rest of consumer world? Mm, mm. It's not acceptable to have your name, BP, your date, the time, where, when. I mean, it's got all sorts of verification data on the slip. And it's just, you know, dismissed as invalid. Yeah. How is that acceptable? Well, yes. And... um well, I think there are lots of learnings out of this for everyone. First, blue blue for diesel, green for petrol. Um, you, you do as as you did, but just carry it through and and sort of make very sure that there's an understanding and of what you want and that the the, the right color nozzle corresponds with your wishes, with what what your car needs. Um, if there's an issue, always keep a sample, even if you think it's all you've got proof and the and the fuel station is making all the right noises of support um and, and taking responsibility to always ask the garage to keep a, a fuel sample um um yeah then to to 
to look at your slip carefully um, before you pull off because it's once you start the engine and, and move that the damage starts well, being going done. going to happen. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. to, to, yeah. to look at your slip before you move off um, and if you do drive off and the car splatters and stalls, call for assistance, call the car manufacturer's franchise dealer for advice if your car is under warranty. Um, call the fuel station and also some insurance policies include misfueling incidents so check yours um, for that but as we said right at the beginning if um, this is a misfueling problem um, not of your making then according to the Consumer Protection Act the um, the fuel station and perhaps the um, the brand is uh, responsible for any insurance is a side issue but it, you know it could help if there's a dispute if and you have Teresa, what we've, what we've just heard from that listener's WhatsApp is that the, the, the garage chain have cover for exactly this kind of incident so exactly. it doesn't um, make sense yeah. it really doesn't make sense that they would say it's not possible that they've made this mistake yeah as I say the, 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 what I've learned this morning from that manager saying mm. that you know everything else you can explain except the difference in the pump which There's means me. it's not the same transaction okay so so that was a, a bp garage manager saying to you that that yes. cannot be no a she was very emphatic yeah. i checked with her several times also i just think you issued the wrong slip the car immediately had a problem the the bill is less than three thousand rand. Wouldn't you? It's it's a just bit of a, yeah. You would think it was a consumer yes. customer these, service no brainer. These people Wendy. were yeah. had a terrible ordeal. Two women on their own on, on the, the side freeway of the in the dark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is quite. Um, it's a it's a major it's customer a service shaker. misstep um, yes. in in the way that they've handled it. That is for sure. Teresa, thank you for sharing the story with us on air today. And uh, it seems fairly obvious that Teresa believes she is in the right and is prepared to keep on fighting for for proper compensation yeah. from, from the station involved so we will keep tabs on how that fight goes forward and Teresa please do keep in touch with us and let us know if any further developments happen on this one I want to bring in Abram in retreat who I believe has had a similar experience and in your case there was a positive outcome I believe thank you for waiting so patiently Yes, Papa. Thank you, Papa. Um, and hi, Papa and uh, Wendy. Welcome. Yeah, I, uh, 2018, I uh, went to a garage. I just put in 100 rand of diesel, uh, specifically asked for diesel. And uh, didn't, at the time, my phone rang and I was busy on the phone, so I didn't really look what they were doing. Uh, but the, the, the thing about uh, this garage is that I, frequ- I f- frequented that particular uh, garage um, on an ongoing basis, I was in the shuttle industry, doing airport shuttles, uh, taking people to the airport, and uh, I fueled up virtually every day, you know, so uh, we put in, uh, we fill, we top up every day so that you don't run empty. Yeah. Uh, well, what happened is that the, 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 I didn't check, so the next day I got to a, a meeting and getting back into my car, the car doesn't want to stop. And I just couldn't understand it. And then some uh, guy came to me I was at a meeting. In fact, ironically, with Toyota, hmm. um, I had a meeting with him. And the, the guy said to me, did you put fuel in last night? I, I thought, well, what do you mean? So I went to the car, uh, checked the, 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 the cabio and took out the slip. And lo and behold, I saw they put in uh, petrol instead of diesel. You know, and uh, I then contacted the garage and told him, look, this is what happened. And then they had a lot of um, to and fro and not taking responsibility <laughs> and I was adamant I'm not going to get this let this thing go go down uh, uh, you know uh, just let it go go down and then um, 
I got the car. I left. I left the car at at Toyota, and they they checked the car out. And then, uh, long story short, it was a thirty two thousand rand ball because my cylinder head, uh, my car overheated, and the cylinder head um, uh, yeah, then uh, you know wobbled. And um, they, they I then then I said I, I, the the garage owners they were reluctant. They were absolutely reluctant. It took months for me to to even get them to talk to me. And then eventually, I uh, then decided I'm going to contact BP themselves. And I contacted BP and I told them, and then BP told me, look here, the garage has got insurance cover. And, and they m- must fill in the forms so that you can be compensated. And that, that's what I did. But I went a step further. I told them, look, I've lost income. And then they wanted me to prove for uh, in, um, for the whole year what my income was and it was over 100,000 rand but for some ironic for some reason they lost some of my slips and then only paid me 30,000 rand for my loss of income and 30,000 rand for the repair so I've got 60,000 rand out of them but the thing is, is one has got to pursue these things because these guys they try to get away with it you know, and the garage owners are too lazy to fill in the forms and to to get the insurance company company to pay. So I will really encourage Theresa. She must pursue it and do not let them get away with it. Abram, thank you so much for your call, and I'm glad that you did finally come right in your case. Do appreciate that input. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. Email Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za. Right, we're going to press ahead. Um, a couple more voice notes coming in on the misfueling issue. We'll get back to those if we can at the end of the show because we must get to Professor Lucia Analish, who's been waiting very patiently to speak to us about the topic of food safety. Wendy, this this is a conversation you set up after a listener reached out to you on Twitter this week. Yes, so the, the tweet went, Dear Wendy, we need an update from you on Cape Talk on how to handle our freezer foods on stage six load shedding. So my go-to person for all things microbiological is Professor Lucia Analish. And happily, she was willing and able to join us today to share her advice, um, not only for preserving what we've got in our freezers, but obviously in our fridges as well, because stage six means um, that we go from two and a half hours, more or less, of no uh, electricity to four and a half hours, which makes a very big difference to the integrity of our of our food. Absolutely. Uh, Lucia, thank you, as always, for being willing to chat to us. It's always great to have you on the show. Thank you, Papa and Wendy. Nice to be here. So let's get to, to, I mean, obviously the issue of food, freezing, defrosting, refreezing, defrosting is a big, big red flag. What are some of the really key things you'd like to communicate to our listeners about food safety in this situation? Well, uh, the good news is that, uh, you know, if you keep your refrigerator door closed, um, that food should keep, especially the perishable stuff, should okay. definitely keep, but for no more than four hours. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that, you know, for stage six, we're looking already at a four-hour stint from time to time. But if we keep those refrigerator doors shut as much as possible, we're keeping that cold air trapped inside. Yeah. And it's going to assist us tremendously in keeping the perishable uh, products in our fridge to some extent, uh, you know, so that they don't spoil. But, I mean, there are some things that people must definitely do. If this happens every day, you must consider that we're losing four hours at a time over a period of, say, two or three days, and then it's two hours uh, and so on. So all of that actually impacts because it accumulates. Yeah. 
So really, we, we've got to be cleverer around shopping. We need to shop for uh, smaller items instead of big bulk items that mm. are perishable. If you're going to go for a bulk pack of meat, for example, then take what you need and cook it and then freeze the rest. Because the freezer can actually remain frozen, all the foods in a freezer, for about 48 hours. That Again, okay. Yeah, yeah. Again, without opening the door uh, as much as possible. But what is important, and you mentioned it in your opening statement, that um, you know, if something starts to thaw, then you actually should definitely not refreeze it. Uh, I wouldn't say throw it away, but cook it. Cook it as as quickly as possible if it has thawed. But refreezing is not a good idea because. Bacteria can actually start growing again as you start to thaw yep. the product. Okay, so if it's it's uh, I mean I mean that forty eight hours is a, is good a surprise to, to me. That's good to know if you keep the door closed and don't go in for ice blocks so, and things like that. Yeah, on that yeah, note, though, what about milk, Lucia? Um, yeah, yeah. So that's the kind of thing that and juice, I suppose, that people would be. It's getting hot, warmer now. Um, so I read somewhere: get a cooler box, keep your ice bricks going, and put your milk and your butter or whatever it is that you're going to be opening that fridge a lot for. Put it in there, and rather use that and keep your fridge sealed. I thought that was quite a good idea. Would you agree? I think it's a good idea. It's just that, remember, we're looking for four degrees Celsius in the oh, fridge. Okay. okay. I took your so, advice. I did invest yeah. in a thermometer. Please <laughs> okay, good, good, yes. good. Four and degrees. It, it, it needs to be four degrees to be effective. Very good advice. Anything, Thank you. anything higher than that, you're already, you know, going into the area of difficulty in terms of perishables. And as you mentioned, milk, which is fresh, anything fresh like meat, poultry, fish, even your soft cheeses, oh. they are fresh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, they can't actually be kept for very long. Your hard cheeses like uh, cheddar uh, is a far better bet. I they can last you know. much, much longer. Yes. Yeah. And then, of course, if you buy veggies, uh, you know, buy vegetables that still have their skin on because that uh-huh. also, I mean, you know, the pumpkin with its skin or, uh, you know, butternut with their skins, they last much, much longer. You don't even have to keep them in the fridge. And they're much but cheaper you, anyway. They're yes. much cheaper, yeah. exactly. But if you're buying it already uh, peeled, uh, you know, in these flushed bags, that's not going to last very long because it no longer has that protective coating on it. Very good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Lucia, thank mm. you so much. That's just even in those few minutes of advice, that's incredibly helpful. And uh, we really appreciate your insights. So keeping the doors closed is crucial to this conversation. Invest in a thermometer. They're not Keep expensive. an eye on that four degree temperature. And thank you very much for the tips on the cheeses and on the vegetables to make it last long. The bottom line, I mean, Wendy, it's a pain, but if possible, we need to be thinking about shifting our shopping habits and only buying for that day or the next yeah. day. And not, I mean, I Absolutely. usually shop on a Sunday for the whole week, but... You can't keep doing that if you haven't we, got a reliable refrigeration system. We have system. to change yeah. a lot about our habits, and this is just one area where it pays to pay attention to these things. Yeah, Professor Lucia Analik, thank you so much. This is Cape Talk. And that is where we say goodbye with a reminder that if you'd like to send a case Wendy's way as Teresa did this week, the email address to use is consumer at nola.co.za, spelled K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Wendy, as always, thanks for the work you do on our listeners' behalf. Thank and you. And we'll chat again next week, Wednesday.